everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, we discuss where does Valentina Shevchenko rank all time. Also, I sit down with UFC strawweight Tatiana Suarez to discuss her rehab and her return to the division. We have been discussing and we'll be discussing today the absolutely stacked UFC 275 card this weekend. And a big part of that story is Valentina Shevchenko with another title defense. Don't know if she's going to win, but another title defense. Now, it begs the question, where is she all time? Not just in women's MMA, but in MMA, period. Let's start the discussion by tackling that exact topic. Why do we say women's MMA? It is functionally the same sport. The rules aren't any different. The rounds aren't of any different length. The gloves aren't of different sizes. The rule set is exactly the same. It is MMA done by women. Not women's MMA. It's not softball and baseball. Two different sports. Different thing. All right? When we say gymnastics, we don't say women's gymnastics. We say gymnastics. Because it's functionally the same. Even then, gymnastics has more differences between men and women than MMA. And we don't say necessarily women's gymnastics. Okay? We say gymnastics. So, that idea that we tend to put women's MMA in a different category which I think, at its surface, is a bit unfair. So, in that vein, when we talk about the Mount Rushmore of MMA, when we talk about the greatest fighters of all time, very few pundits, and I am putting myself in this class, put uh, the, the, the greatest female fighters of all time on the Mount Rushmore. Now, the Mount Rushmore is very select. I have it, obviously. Mount Rushmore is my top four. Right now, it's John Jones, Anderson Silva, GSP, and Khabib. So that's my top four. Now, there are plenty of all-time great fighters who are absolutely fantastic that just don't make the cut because the cut is very limited. You'll notice Jose Aldo isn't on there. Dominic Cruz isn't on there. Some amazing... Stipe Miocic. Fedor Emelianenko, great fighters all the way around. They're just not on that list because the cutoff is, is, is too strict. But Amanda Nunes tends to be the default women's greatest of all time. That's it. She is the women's greatest of all time, period, end of sentence. That is not without merit at all. That is not without merit. And the reason we tend to put her number one all-time in terms of uh, women's mixed martial arts is uh, she beat everyone else who ever held a title at 135. And 145, because the only other champion was Cyborg, knocked her out too. The list of names, and this is going to be a, a big part of this discussion. When you have beaten Jermaine Duran to me, Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg, Valentina Shevchenko, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate. That's it. There aren't any other names anywhere near you that you didn't knock out. 
as a result, you're considered number one. Fighters, unlike other great athletes, and this is across combat sports. I don't care if it's boxing. I don't care if it's jujitsu, wrestling, whatever it is. In any combat sport, you are a victim of your weight class and time. There's nothing you can do about it. If you live in an era where there aren't a lot of great fighters in your weight class, you are not, or not that you won't, but it's it's unlikely you're going to go down as an all-time great, or certainly number one. That is very, very hard to do. When we look at the best of all time, they generally existed in eras where they were surrounded by great fighters. It's not their fault. just happened to be what it is. Right, so I've gone all around, around the world here without discussing Valentina Shevchenko. The reason I've gone all around the world is every factor I just talked about favors someone other than Valentina Shevchenko. She beat on her list, right? Let's go from her UFC debut to now. Sarah Kaufman lost to Amanda Nunes. Beat Holly Holm. Beat Juliana Pena. Lost to Amanda Nunes again. Beat Priscilla Cachueta. Ioana Jacek, Jessica I. Liz Carmouche. Caitlin Jukagian. Jennifer Maya. Jessica Andrade. And then Lauren Murphy. The standout names here. In her weight class. What I mean by that is Ioana Jacek, a great fighter. She's a strawweight. Easily outclassed Ioana Jacek, but, you know, she's a strawweight. Uh... Lost twice to Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes is an actual 135-pounder. So if we cross off Amanda Nunes and Ioana Yunjechik, biggest name on her resume is Holly Holm. Nice, but you know how I feel about Holly Holm. She's the Buster Douglas of MMA. She looked good her whole career. She looked great once. Not many of these other names, barring a big turnaround in something, uh... These names, I don't know if they live on in MMA history. The 125-pound division is not a marquee division in UFC history. It just isn't. There hasn't been a a ton of talent going through it, partly because we have a dominant champion. Every time they get to the top, they then get their ass kicked by Valentina Shevchenko. There's there's some merit to that. But it doesn't have Amanda Nunes's. Resume, the cachet of Amanda Nunes, who beat a lot of names, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Cyborg, that your average fan or average person who kind of follows the sport knows who these people are. Outside of Amanda Nunes and Joanna Jacek, who once again weren't part of her regular weight class, there's one name on here, Holly Holm. Jessica Eyes tough. Liz Carmouche is tough. Caitlin Jukagian is tough. Jennifer Maya is tough. Okay. Uh, that's the difficulty here, right? Greatness requires names. She doesn't have a lot of those. And also, if you factor in Amanda Nunes, Amanda Nunes beat her twice. No shame in that. But the biggest name of her career, she lost to twice. Those are the things that hold... Uh, that hold Valentina Shevchenko back when you talk about her her all-time greatness doesn't have the names. The difficulty 
period, end of sentence, is that she got she, she, she racked up title defense after title defense after title defense, but uh, it's been against a lot of names that when the book of MMA is written, these people will not get their own chapter. Is it fair? No. Is it the nature of combat sports? Yes. Those are all the negatives. Got the K crew with me, by the way. Kelly, KOB, how you doing, folks? Good, good, good to have you with us. Hope everybody's all settled in and everything. Even right? better to be with you. Right? Listen, it is. I'm so happy I mean, you're here. I'm happy you're feeling better. Yeah, but I was still stuffed up. I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better. Okay. I'm going to have a head cold for a little while. It just is what it is with my schedule. So, Kelly, did I not do a good job of laying out kind of the negatives? So I understand why people don't rank her higher. I get it. I laid out the negatives. Does that make sense, Kelly Kel? No, absolutely. And like you said, the two losses to Amanda, absolutely no shame in that. Right. But the fact that she is your biggest name on your resume and you have two losses to her, which – a lot of people thought she won one of those fights. Yes. Close fights. I understand that. Last but the one. fact that on paper you have two losses to your biggest and best name, that's tough to get past. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So here are the positives. I just gave you all the negatives because that's how I am. I start, with, I start with the negatives, okay? That's just, that's just me. I've been hanging out with Kelly too long. But here's the deal. The positives are it is hard to find a fighter. And I don't mean female fighter. I mean fighter, period. As well-rounded, as dangerous, as exceptional, as ruthless, as brutal, as precise as Valentina Shevchenko. And I mean at every range, from every position, she can beat you. Great outside game, phenomenal kick. She can spin with the best of them. Great footwork, good inside power. Great combination punching. Excellent ground game. She can do it all. And she is mentally iron. The woman is iron. Has never found herself on her heels against any opponent other than Amanda Nunes in her UFC career. She, it looks like she's almost, in the ones that have gone the distance, it, it looks almost like a sparring session. She's that good. It's almost reminiscent of a, a, a Roy Jones Jr. who, once again, when you look at Roy Jones Jr.'s resume throughout his career, he just existed at a time when a lot of the names he fought are not going to be remembered. Sure, James Tony, Sure, Antonio Tarver. Sure, oh, John Ruiz, no. Right? It's, it's notable you went to heavyweight. It's not notable who you beat at heavyweight. The nature of the business. Joe Calzaghe, sure, way past his prime. Bernard Hopkins, ah, fought him a little early, then a little late. But the point is, he was an island of virtuoso skills and ability in weight classes from, let's say, 160 to light heavyweight that just weren't great at the time he was great. So when you look at it that way, there's a similar problem for Valentina Shevchenko. 115 is a great weight class. I would say right now, if Valentina Shevchenko were doing everything she's doing now at 115, she might be on that all-time great list. 
She might be a shoe in Hall of I mean, she's a shoe in Hall of Famer now. She might be a shoe in Mount Rushmore candidate. If she had put together the kind of performances at 115 that she's putting together at 125. Why? 115 is a real real weight class with real competition. 135 right now is a graveyard. It's a graveyard. Okay, partly because Amanda Nunes has beaten so much of the talent, but when I look at 135 right now, I'm not really impressed with anyone outside of the champ and then Amanda Nunes. So we are stuck in this circular logic when it comes to Valentina Shevchenko of she dominated a weight class that really wasn't anchored by great talent. Not her fault, nothing she could do about that, but that's where she is. Her performances have been virtually flawless. Virtually flawless. When I think of all-time greatness, that's what stands out to me about Valentina Shevchenko. Devastating, flawless performances. But where does that put her all-time? Should she win this Saturday against Tyler Santos, 19-1, legitimate challenger, okay, but the average MMA fan, the average casual fan, certainly couldn't tell you one thing about Tyler Santos. That's why Valentina Shevchenko is talking about moving weight classes. Manny Pacquiao had stayed at whatever he started, 106 pounds, his whole career. We would not be talking about Manny Pacquiao because we wouldn't know who he is. MMA doesn't allow that kind of mobility all the time. You're lucky to go up one late weight class, let alone two, let alone three, let alone five. All right? So, Valentina Shevchenko facing another title defense this weekend. Should she get past it, probably moves up to 35. But right now, where do you put her? You know what I always think of whenever I think, like, where would I put Valentina Shevchenko? You know, you know what male fighter is comparable and immediately springs to mind? Kelly, do you have a guess? The male equivalent of Valentina Shevchenko. Ugh, I don't, honestly. DJ. Demetrius Johnson. Okay, well, dominant, 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 right? What's funny, it's the same weight class. But what's funny about it is dominant, skillful, 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 skillful. But you're like, okay, 125 was just kind of not a great weight class at the time. Just wasn't. You know, this guy, remember, he blasted Henry Cejudo in their first fight. Second one very close, and then Henry Cejudo goes on to be like this, you know, the, the triple C and a double champ. Dude, DJ beat him handily the first time they fought and the second time it was razor close and yet dj because of the weight class doesn't get the respect he deserves even though he might be the most skillful example of a mixed martial artist in history kelly do you feel me when i compare these two people yeah i mean honestly you laid it out yes. pretty nice when dj was really you know doing his thing in the ufc oh, it was i was almost even, boring right so i yeah. wasn't even involved yeah. in the sport yet but from what I've learned and things I've watched now back, I think that's a really accurate comparison. He just dusted everybody. But you're like, meh. How many of those people live on? Once again, when, when the book of MMA is written, how many of those people get their own chapter? That's what you got to think about. And right now, not a lot. <laughs> 
Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Tatiana Suarez, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm hanging in there. Uh, one thing I want to know, like I said, I've, I, I've, I've called your fights before. I've been a fan of yours from the beginning, from your UFC debut. Um, it's been the injuries that have sidelined you, right? So I want to know how things are going. What's the update on your recovery and training and everything? How's it going for you physically? Um, I'm doing well. Um, I just, I'm coming off of a knee injury right now. So, um, it's going to be, I think it was nine months recently. So um, I'm doing pretty well. Um, and, um, despite the fact that, you know, I, I ended up tearing almost all of the ligaments in my knee, uh, completely. So I had to have the, almost my, my knee, my whole entire knee reconstructed. So, um, but it's been a, you know, it's been a process, but I'm doing well. And I um, actually um, stayed in Vegas. I was only supposed to be here for 30 days, but I stayed here in Vegas. Uh, now it's been nine months um, to, you know, do the physical therapy here and use the UFCPI in order to get back to um, the octagon as quickly as possible. So that's where so I'm at right the- now. So they're saying about nine months from right now-ish. So like nine months more of, of, of rehab and all that until it's ready? No, 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 no. I've been uh, – so I got injured nine – Yes, well, nine months yeah. ago. All I right, got okay. injured not nine months ago. It was um, – well, yeah, nine months ago, I think. Yes. And then um, – so, yeah, it's been that long, and I just uh, – I have a, not much longer. I'm almost um, fully recovered. I'm just – making sure that it's super strong and that I don't, I don't rush my recovery so that I can, um, you know, have a good, like, I don't want to um, injure my knee again. You know? So that's where I'm at with that. Understandable. But the, the, the frustration of course, with having the injuries hold you back when you're undefeated in your career, eight and oh, um, watching the, di- the, the division develop while you've been rehabbing watch a, a fighter you've beaten Carlos Sparza become champion has that been motivating for you getting back uh, into therapy and rehab and everything else or tell me about those feelings um yeah I think um I mean it, it doesn't really matter what you know I mean, I'm, I'm going to be motivated regardless of what's going on with the division because I think I you know I could beat all of them so I feel like um I'll be motivated either way but yeah it's definitely a little bit more motivating knowing that, you know, I was the um, last person to beat Carlos Esparza. So. What did you think? And I'm speaking, of course, to uh, Tatiana Suarez, uh, UFC strawweight, currently rehabbing injuries, looking to make her return soon. Um, when you look at her performance, um, obviously Carlos Esparza against Rose Namajunas, I've called it one of the worst championship fights I've ever seen. It was pretty bad. Uh, of course, Carlos Esparza came out on top, but – a lot of people saying it did not strike fear into the heart of the strawweight division. What did you think of that performance overall of that fight? Yeah, um, the performance was um, unexpected. That's for sure. I didn't. See, I didn't see the fight going that way. I don't think anybody saw the fight going that way. Um, that's hard to actually predict. If that was a betting line, you'd probably make a lot of money off <laughs> on that. But. Uh, 
Yeah, no, um, it was definitely a surprising fight, um, and um, I feel like I'm very, I'm just very surprised at the lack of urgency from either fighter, you know. So, because I mean, I mean, how can you go through the entire fight and think that you won, you know, any of those rounds? Like, I couldn't, I don't even know who won what round at that point. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely, um, definitely, definitely interesting title, title, uh, title fight. <laughs> Uh, so, so what do you think of that as far as a champion goes? And and I've said this on air before, where when you're when you're a champion, you want your performances to speak to the rest of the division. You want other fighters to see what you did and go, God, I don't want to fight that person, right? You want to see it go, oh man, ugh. well, not only do I not want to fight him, but man, a fight against them is going to be really tough. My camp is going to be terrible. I'm going to suffer fighting this person. What do you think of a championship performance that does the opposite, where it seemed like everyone and their mother was calling out Carla Sparza because she looked vulnerable? What do you think of that vulnerability that she displayed in that fight? Um, I just think that, you know, like as a champion, sometimes it, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being a champion. Right. So I think maybe the, the, the pressure just kind of weighed on Rose, especially having a loss to Carla in the past. Um, even though it was so long ago, you know, I just think maybe it was just a mental thing. She couldn't pull the trigger because um, I, I, I truly believe that even if she had grappled with her, she would do fairly well with Carla. Cause, you know, I, I fought Carla and I didn't feel like she was very strong on the ground or or anything like that. So I just I, I was surprised at the fact that she um, didn't want to grapple with her a little bit more, especially considering the fact that she had grappled with Wiley the fight before and she did she won that fight um using her grappling as well, right? Because they were pretty evenly matched yeah. on the feet. And then, um, you know, they, she resorted to gra- grappling because Wally was, like, trying to grapple her, and she grappled her back and ended up getting the upper hand in that in that, that department. So I just was fairly surprised that she didn't try to grapple with Carla a little bit more. Um, I think she would have been surprised um, if she had tried and maybe took that opportunity. But I think, um, you know, she just she maybe missed the ball on that, you know, dropped the ball. Speaking of Tatiana Suarez, of course, a standout strawweight looking to make her return to the UFC. I'm going to ask you about another fight that's happening this weekend, the rematch, Joanna uh, Jacek uh, versus oh, Zhang Weili. Oh, my God. Their first fight, I put it as yeah. one of the greatest fights of all time, Not regardless of gender, I don't say women's fight, one of the greatest fights mm-hmm. of all time. What did you think of it while you were watching that fight live? Um, I was just thinking maybe a little bit more move, moving instead of getting hit. Yeah. <laughs> um, that fight was, you know, obviously, I don't know if it was probably record-breaking in terms of uh, significant strikes on both ends, but, um, you know, I think maybe they could have used some grappling to just, you know, <laughs> help that. Uh, I mean, it was a great fight, but, yeah, they definitely got hit a lot, and they beat each other up. So um, that's definitely not a fight that, you know, it's like one of those ones. Because you know, I think, like, um, Joanna probably had that information for a very long time. It had to be. Like, I'm pretty yeah. sure of it in her face. So it's just like, uh, obviously, it takes years off of your, you know, career, I think, because your brain, you know. So uh, I don't know. But it was a great fight, yeah. And I can't wait for the second the second fight. Uh, hopefully they do a little bit more moving that fight. <laughs> Yeah, so so what I'm cu- curious about is I mean, it's entertaining is, for the fans, but you know, right, the fighters have yeah, but, to deal with that. So, 
Right. And so so what's so interesting is fans are always talking about how amazing that first fight was, and they should. It was an amazing fight. You, you won't argue with that. But now they get a chance to show what they've learned, right? They've shown – and both have talked about not standing in the pocket like they did last time. They talked about the defensive art. They talked about the footwork and timing and all these things where they don't have to take the damage they just took. Do you think it's – I won't say wrong, but do you think it's 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 – inaccurate for fans to expect the same war we saw two years ago, considering they both should have learned from it. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know what the, what the, I think maybe they're going to have to, you know, change the strategy, especially on the losing end, you know what I mean? Cause it, she lost the fight. So I'm guessing maybe they're going to make some adjustments and yeah. hopefully that leads to a victory. Right. So I think maybe that's what they're going to, um, Maybe they'll do, but it's not like, you know, the thing with Joanna, she has the striking, but you know, you never see Joanna force any type of grappling exchanges at all. So I'm curious to see if maybe Wiley does that um, and then seeing how she does against uh, um, against Joanna in that department and then vice versa, right? So um, especially because our, the fight, the first one was just all, all stand-up mostly. So... so I'm speaking, of course, of Tatiana Suarez, standout UFC strawweight. <clears throat> the the fight between that you had between Pereira and Grasso, it was, um, it was like five months, six months, and then you had another six months layoff. There, it's about six months at a time between your fights that you've had in your career up until your last one. You were injured. When you take off the two years that Ioana and Jacek took off, what is the first thing you're thinking of when this fight starts? What are you going to look at for Yuana to see if she's shaking off that ring rust? What's the first symptom of it to you? Um, I don't really know. I think it just depends on the fighter. You know, I think some fighters, she's been doing it for a long time. She's been competing for a long time. So maybe, you know, um, it'll just be like, I'm sure she, she's had enough experience, especially, you know, getting hit and all that other stuff. She spars a lot probably. So I don't think she's going to have too much of an issue with that, you know, so. Um, I think, and then she also has, you know, quite a bit of uh, fight. So I don't really find, I don't really think that she's going to have too much of an issue there. Um, maybe just, uh, I don't know. I feel like she shines under pressure. You know, I don't really feel like uh, if, you, if you see Joanna's performances, they're all pretty consistent. It's not like, you know, we ever see her, you know, um, like besides the Rose fight where she, you know, she got caught. Um, we don't really right. ever see her get finished very often. Right. So, um, I don't think I think that's the only time she's ever been finished, right? In her UFC career, she I mean she fought to go for for five rounds. You know what I mean? So um, I think she has enough experience to to do well um, in this fight, and um, I'm looking forward to it. So speaking of your return, to speak of course to Tatiana Suarez, standout UFC strawweight, undefeated, looking to make her return, rehabbing right knee right now. Uh, from knee surgery, when you are thinking about your comeback, what level would you like to come back at? A lot of fighters want to come back and prove they're right there up amongst the elite. You know, next one's a title shot, that kind of thing. Others want to see where they are in terms of their training and their physical ability. What do you want to come back to when you finally uh, are able to come back to the octagon? Um, I just want to get a good fight, um, probably at 125 and see how I feel there because I haven't um, fought at 125 yet. Um, and I just want to yeah. see how I feel at that weight class and see, 
you know, is that something that I want to do um, and see how I feel in terms of, like, performance-wise? Because a lot of times when I fight at 115, I do feel a little bit of fatigue. So I feel like maybe the 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 I really want to see how I feel up, up in weight. Um, not that I'm going to abandon 115, but I just know. And not only that, but I actually hired someone to help me. Um, I've never hired anybody to help me make 115. I always did it on my own. Um, so maybe that will help as well. Like when I do go back to 115, um, that will be something that will be a little bit easier for me, especially because I have like a professional helping me in that sense. So, um, but yeah, I definitely look forward to seeing how I feel without cutting much weight at all um, uh, the week of my fight because I'm guessing I'll probably only have to cut like maybe three pounds for that weight class. Um, so it's going to be an easy cut for me, and then I'll just be able to focus on my performance and and doing well out there. Because right now, you know, I've come off a long a long um, layoff, and um, and I just want to just focus on the, the the performance, and that's it. I don't want to have to focus on, um, you know, the weight cut at all. So I'm going to ask you a question. If you're thinking of fighting at 125 on your return, i got to ask, we were discussing today on the show Valentina Shevchenko, her accomplishments, and where we put her all-time in MMA. What are your thoughts on her legacy and her performance as a champion at 125? I mean, I think it speaks for itself. You know, I think she's one of the greatest of all times right now. Uh, greatest of all time right now. I think, um, you know, arguably she could have won the fight against uh, Amanda Nunez, right? And um, and then she beat the current champ um, in her fight. Um, is it um, Juliana Juliana Pena, right? She beat her, which yes. is just one fifteen or one thirty five champ right now. So you could say that arguably, you know, if she goes up in division right now, um, I would like to actually see if maybe they fight, if they even if they fought again at, at a higher weight class, that would be interesting to see. You know what I mean? So um, if uh, Shevchenko goes up and fights Juliana Pena for the for the um, one thirty five pound uh, belt, that would be cool. But I know that they already have the uh, fight. Um, lined up with um, um, Amanda Nunes, the rematch. So I look right. forward to that fight as well. So, but I, I mean, I mean, um, I don't think that Talia Santos will beat um, Shevchenko this weekend. Um, I think that she'll still remain the champion. And uh, yeah, I, I think she's a great champion, and uh, I look forward to watching her compete this weekend. Would you want a crack at Valentina Shevchenko at 125 if you're successful at 125, or are you definitely going back down to 115? Um, yeah, I do eventually. I want to take care of the 115-pound division first and then um, end up going um, uh, going up and then um, competing there as well. So, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Two weight classes. I cannot wait to see you take them on. Best of luck with your recovery. Tatiana Suarez, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.